0: Broadcasting from Alito to Alton, from Champaign to Chicago, and from Robinson to Rockford, this is the Sports Spectacular, powered by IlliniGuys.com.
1: Hello, hello. This is the Sports Spectacular, as promised, right back here at the same time, same place as last week. Glad you're with us, Larry Smith, Brad Sturdy, Mike Kegley. Go ahead and grab your popcorn and drink because you're not going to want to break away. Mike Small of the seven consecutive record, seven consecutive Big Ten champion Illini men's golf team is standing by and ready to go in our Busey Newsmaker line in just moments. He's standing right there. Cam Cox of the U of I DIA office on his way. He's the guy who controls the NIL stuff, you know, name image likeness with Illini athletes. There's been so much talk about that this spring. We want to really get into that. And uh, Cam's the guy to do that. We'll dig deeper into that. Kendrick Prince with recruiting. Matt Stevens with a football update. And, of course, the Illini gal, Adelia McKenzie, all on the way here on the show. So let's have some fun. Where to start? Uh, I want to start kind of where we were a week ago because, um, boy, it's been a slow week for Illinois basketball. Rim shot. Uh, (laughs) You know, with with no new recruits in a week. Um, You know, Brad, we, we talked very briefly last week about this. Terrence Shannon Jr. coming in. Chicago native coming home uh after three seasons at texas tech and uh, we'll get uh, you know we'll get ked's thoughts next hour but want to start off with your thoughts on just how important uh this this decision was by taryn shannon to pick illinois over some other programs um to uh, continue his uh his career
2: yeah, Shannon is uh, a really important piece for Illinois because he brings a some veteran. Uh, you know, he's a veteran guy. He's been through the – he's played on Sweet 16 teams and, you, you know, and so forth. He's He's been deep in the tournament. They've been deep in conference you – know, tough conference, Big 12. He's been productive. He's great in transition. He's an excellent defender. These are things they're not going to have to learn. So his learning curve is much shorter than maybe some of the other guys, and so the young guys. So this is an excellent veteran addition. My big thing is I'm going to love, and on IlliniGuys.com, I'm going to break down what he'll bring in transition and the things that he can do because I just really think this is an ideal fit to get more the way they played a couple years ago when they like to get out and push it, and and he'll be a definite uh, help there.
3: Yeah, he reminds me a little bit of a college version of Iguodala. Um, you know, he has he, he really the, the elevator goes up to really high floors um, and he likes to play that aggressive style of ball and and that defense that he plays. I think he's going to have a little bit of that knock the chip off my shoulder mentality, which Coach Underwood loves. I, I, I can't wait.
1: Well, I think, too, he's 6'6", six, six, and we've talked about size and length in the backcourt, take nothing away from the guys last year and the talent that they brought. But we've talked before, when you're going six one, six one, barely barely 6'3", now you're talking 6'3", 6'6", 6'7", and that's just for starters. I mean, that's having the guys off the bench, so you're exactly right. Uh, Brad, before I move on to the next thing, I want to very quickly, and not try to put you on the spot, but when do you think the next Illini basketball piece will make his announcement.
2: I think Illinois will add a guy here in this month of May. I think there'll be at least one guy they add in May. Um, I would say mid-May is a good time to be watching Illini guys closely.
1: Okay. Okay. And then of course, there'll still be some more to come after that, of course, and we'll, we'll, we'll leave it. They still
2: have three openings, so they could add three guys, you know, before the start of fall practice.
1: Yeah. It's, um, Fun times, no question, unless you are a hockey fan. Um, another big story on campus this week, uh, Josh Whitman, the athletic director announcing uh, that the, uh, they will no longer search or, or the quest to bring a Division One hockey program to Illinois um, ends uh, no more. And so, well, this was a lot of work, and I know this had to be tough for Josh to, to make this decision. I know how passionate he was about uh, making this program a reality.
2: Yeah, no question. I, I think they really wanted to do hockey. I think they really wanted to have a, you know, start a competitive hockey program. Here's the problem right now. So where, where do you funnel your money? Do you put it in your football program or basketball program? It's just limited funds. And now you got NIL and you're trying to keep all these guys happy. There's just, there's only so much money out there. And unless you found a donor who had a billion dollars and said, Hey, here's a hundred million dollars, go have a hockey team. It's really hard to get it started from the ground up.
3: Yeah. And, and I'm going to take the contrarian view. Um, Hockey had a strike a few years ago and I don't even know if the the public knew it. Um, So to me, when you have, when you have the football team and the basketball team going up the ladder, the way they are right now, I'd rather not have other things diluting the product. And, you know, if you need a hundred million and sturdy doesn't want to give it, then that's tough for the university. (laughs)
2: my bad my bad i was thinking <laughs> about that the other day i said what am i going to do with this 100 million
1: <laughs> it's just it's like, it's like johnny depp and blow it's just it's in boxes in the back there yes you got to do yeah. something with this and you don't want to get to panama uh boy mike mike kickley with the slap as if his name is juan howard or will smith to yeah. the head right there
3: <laughs> wow <laughs> oh, you got Amber Heard, so Brad, watch out when you go to bed. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God.
2: Hey, I just know that if I move to Ozark, the Ozarks, then you'll know yeah. that yeah, we, will. And then we, we may have a hockey program. Somewhere.
3: And nobody's going to follow you down there because it's just too dang dangerous. <laughs> that's it right. is. So people dying all right and left.
1: That's right. That's right. Oh my God. We'll have to talk more about that later in the show too. I just started watching the final, final, final episodes. And can't wait for that. Hey, uh, you know, another big development this week. Uh, and we're going to talk with Mike small here in a moment. Illini golf, uh, unprecedented seven consecutive big 10 men's championships. Uh, coach small coach of the year, Adrian player of the year, unanimous. Um, what a fantastic job by, by this, uh, by coach small and all the players.
2: Yeah. I once won back to back, um, golf outings, in, you know, uh, coaches golf outings in, in June. you know, after the school years out. And I thought that was pretty cool. You know, it's like, it was a team though. It wasn't because of me, but we had a team. I thought that was really good to win seven. That's just stupid. Good. I mean, that's insane. And to 12 of 13, where are the rest of the programs? Why aren't they playing? It's almost like they're the only team. So that's pretty good. Uh, you know, I I'm definitely impressed. I mean, he's made this program, um, an elite program. They are what you want the basketball team and the, the football team and the whatever soccer, whatever. If you had a hockey team, you, this is what you want them to be. You want them to be this successful.
3: Yeah, good Lord. If I had a tiddlywinks team, I'd want them to be that successful. I mean, goodness. I mean, it's it's hard. I mean, seriously, there there can't be more than three, four coaches who were in the conversation across all sports being as good as Coach Small. I mean, you know, Bill Self, Nick Saban. I mean, there aren't very many that that get mentioned when you look at what the consistent level of excellence over a period of time that's longer than a decade. I mean, that's amazing.
1: Yeah, the pride of Danville. We are lucky to have him uh, coaching this Illini, uh golf team. Um, Mike Small, there is no question about that, and they're heading on to the NCAA um, and heading up to Yale uh, here in about a week or so, and so we'll talk more about that here in just a moment. It wasn't easy. Keep it here. Seven straight Big Ten crowns. They had to rally to get it done. The man Big Ten Coach of the Year, Mike Small, joins us right here next. Stay with us on the Sports Spectacular, powered by IlliniGuys.com.
4: Slow down, they say. You're getting older. Relax. Seriously, you're on a mission. You've got places to go, grandkids to see. At OSF Healthcare, we want you to be the best you possible, whoever you are. Wherever you're going, whatever your mission is, we're here to support it. Because that's our mission. Your life, our mission. Learn more at osfhealthcare.org your way.
1: Planning to repair or upgrade your home or place of business? Whether it's a leaky roof, windows, or door, worn out siding or paint, outdated kitchen, bathroom, or basement, look no further than HX Home Solutions, your one-stop shop for remodeling inside and out. Trusted by Chicagoland since 1950, find out why HX gets an A-plus rating by the Better Business Bureau. Call today, 224-880-6000. That's HX Home Solutions, 224-880-6000. Mention code NCAA and schedule your free estimate. Once again, 224-880-6000, HX Home Solutions. August 26th is the day that you can make believe you can play golf as well as the Illini. That's the date for the inaugural Illini Guys Golf Classic. On the home course of the Fighting Illini, the Atkins Golf Club at the University of Illinois. Reach out to us at info at IlliniGuys.com for more information. It's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, Our newsmaker line presented by Busey Bank featuring our friend Mike Small, coach of the Illini men's golf team, fresh off their incredible and unprecedented seventh Big Ten championship in a row. Coach, welcome back to the Sports Spectacular. i got to ask you, has the win sunk in yet?
5: <laughs> yeah, they, um, it, it's, it's sunken in, and the guys have enjoyed it. But, uh, you know, the, the attention is great. Um, they feel proud of what they did. It's not easy with those expectations every year that the guys have in front of them. But, um, no, they're feeling good, and now we're getting ready for regionals.
2: Coach, what is it like with the? Is there you talk about the expectations? There's there a little extra pressure every year to be the team to you don't want to be the team that lets that streak end.
5: Well, that's right, and it's not really a, a in-your-face pressure, except um, former players send send little notes once <laughs> in a while or see the guys out right? Keep the streak going. So it's uh, it's not vivid to the to the public, but it is uh, kind of in-house. There's a little bit of pressure there, and but that's that's good. I and mean, we've we've talked about it, and as a coach we won five in a row back in the day. We lost in 2014 to finish second. Um, and we, you know, it, it almost, almost like we, we were tight then. So I've kind of learned, uh, we talk about it and we, we make it something that's a goal and we don't run from it. And maybe that's helped in the streak. You know, the last two event, one uh, championships, we won have been by one stroke and that's can't get any closer than that. We had a bunch of, uh, of streaks where we are a bunch of those wins where we were winning by double digits. So those weren't in question as much, but, um, I think as a coach, when you just make it um, and talk about it and, um, and embrace the challenge of it, maybe the pressure does go away a little bit.
3: And, and one of the things you see is, you know, some sports have some degree of dominance from, from teams down south because they have a weather advantage. How do you get such a high-performing team when weather can be such a crazy component to practicing and working on skills throughout a lot of the
5: year? Well, thanks for that. And that's something that we're proud of in our national record, um, making seven uh, lead eights for the match play portion in the last 10 years. I think that's, second, that's the second most in the country. And we made, what, 13 straight national finals, which is the second longest streak in the country. Um, but the Big Ten, the thing we like about the Big Ten, or, or not like, I should say, but we, we, we understand, is that all the teams are under the same climate restrictions as we are. Yep. So that's kind of how you gauge yourself. Everybody's under the same more or less opportunities, but nationally we kind of head to the national tournament, like next week's regionals and the finals, hopefully that, um, you know, yeah. I mean, weather is important in golf. And and if you look at the history of the sport, ma- the majority of, of good and great teams come from the warm weather, but the big tens had its good share of in- to good individuals over the years and, and good teams. And, but for us to compete consistently as we have for the last, you know, 13 to 15 years nationally is something that I'm very proud of the kids and that kind of get back kind of gets back to what I said a minute ago. We embrace it. We don't uh, we don't use it as excuses. We use it to an advantage. We schedule. We uh, we plan. We try to go about our business uh, using the the winter to get better and then to you know sprinkle in events early and then at this time of year when the Big Tens and the in the postseason and the nationals come around, we're peaking and we're, we're we've we've hit a certain standard that we've kind of built for all year. Talking
1: with uh, Mike Small, coach of the Fighting Illini men's golf team, fresh off their seventh consecutive uh, Big Ten championship for the Newsmaker Line presented by Busey Bank. Um, I want to get to uh, next week, of course, coming up here, the NCAA tournament that was just announced a few days ago and where you're headed. But but before we do that, take us back to, to last Sunday and the final round of the, the Big Ten tournament over in Indiana. You guys were down several strokes, but but rallied late to to remain uh, conference champion. Take us through the day and, and kind of the – you know, briefly the ups and ups and downs of, and the emotions of the uh, of the afternoon.
5: Well, Larry, we we've, we talked as a team again this week, and uh, we were down by one shot going into the last round, and it was nip and tuck all day. But I told the guys I thought the key, one of the key one of the keys was uh, to us winning was the way we closed out round two, where we had two birdies in the last hole, um, and uh, instead of being down three, we were only down one, and also Michigan State bogeyed. Their last player bogeyed the last hole, so there was a three-shot swing in the last two groups. So, being down four and being down one going into the last round is a big deal in golf. I mean, it's even though you're taking eight hundred and some shots for three days, the value of one shot always seems to show itself. And um, when you go into the last round, one down instead of four, that's a big deal. So, I thought I thought it started there, and then in the last round, um, it was we got start we 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 started off okay, but then we fell back a little bit, a couple shots, but it was never never out of reach. Um, which is you always want to stay in it to the last five or six holes. And that's kind of how we've made our hay over the years is we, we, we generally close pretty strong. And that happened again this year where um, I think we picked up three or four shots on Michigan state in the last uh, two holes um, and, or three holes maybe. And that's something that uh, obviously put us over the edge, but um, the conditions were so tough. The wind was blowing so hard and so consistent, so constant. Um, and the course down at French lick is, is really, Ah, uh, very treacherous normally, but in the wind, it's double treacherous. And the fairways are run off, and the greens run off into collection areas, and the flags blowing sideways. The greens are firm and fast, and it was it was a survival day. You, that's why, if you look at the scores from one to like seven, in the event we're all bunched up. There was no separation because players weren't making birdies. You were just trying to hang on with pars, and when that happens, there's not a lot of separation. So um we just kind of outlasted everybody outlasted the conditions and, and we're fortunate to hold to hold on by one shot and uh and um you know that's just kind of it's kind of what that's that's my take on it
2: mike how much uh, you, you mentioned the course and the, the difficulties do you get a is there a course that, style that you'd like or is there a style that you look this fits our team or is, when you look at this this i i was you know it, it obviously i'm not a I like to golf, but I'm not good at it. So I don't understand all the nuances. So tell me about the, you know, how you look at the course and how you break it down.
5: Sure. I think different courses fit different players, but in team golf, if you have enough different players, then you're never really out of a course. If that makes sense. Uh, We have some players that have different strengths in the game, which in recruiting, you always try to recruit the best players you can. But at the same time, if you can recruit different players with different strengths, different strengths, that kind of, uh safeguards you against some courses that may that may not fit people's eyes but we talk a lot and we pride ourselves on a mindset um, of, of a competitive mindset where there's no regrets no second chance you know worries and and uh, re, you know thinking about things and excuses so we'll go anywhere and play anybody anytime and that's kind of what we always talk about and um, so we don't look at that deeply enough but I'm sure there are turn our golf courses that guys don't like but that's what you got teammates for to hold you up if that's the case.
3: The the question I have, looking at the Big Ten Coach of the Year Award, do you have to, like, get new shelves to put all these awards <laughs> on? Because I'm sitting here, and I'm like, this is just incredible for, for folks who, who haven't, you know, uh, had a chance to follow Illini Golf. You know, you're looking at Coach of the Year in 2002, 2009 through 13. 2015 through 19 I mean that that is unbelievable um what do you what do you use to push yourself and your team to achieve at such a high level
5: um I think we're competitive people I think anything we do we want to do well I try to recruit kids like that that have pride um in college athletics, though, you have a new team every year and new kids every year, and we always motivate where the young freshmen that come in want to get a ring because you never know if you're going to get another one. So you got to grab it as soon as you can. So when the new players come in, it's, it's their turn to – got to get them a ring. So there's more impetus and more, more um, uh, focus on that. But we just try to stay in the present. And I learned a long time ago that if you stay in the present, keep your nose to the grindstone, do the best you can every day, uh, the future will take care of itself. If you get too far into the future and you start counting those trophies or those rings all the time, you kind of get a little soft and then your mind's in the past and then you're worried about the future. And if you just do things the right way and control your space, like we talk about, and um, which is your mind and your emotions and what you can control, um, in the end, uh, the chances of accumulating um, those awards or those victories or those, those championships will add up. Um, but it's, it's something that we're very proud of. Um, we, we talk about our team a lot, about consistency and the way we think and the way we go run our lives, and I think this longevity of our success uh, within the conference and within the, the nation, I mentioned a minute ago what we've done at the national tournament, um, speaks volumes for how we try to be consistent and, and um, you know not, not sit at home and count what we've already had, but try to get another one.
1: And we should add to that, uh, 2022 Big Ten Coach of the Year. Congratulations on that. uh, So Mike's talking about building that shelf. And uh, you've got the Big Ten uh, Unanimous Player of the Year as well. Uh, Adrian, the Frenchman, how do you say his last name?
5: Uh, Adrian Dumont de Chassart.
1: Okay. Okay. So I would have been close enough. I didn't want it to, you know, it's like croissant. You say it wrong and boom, there you go. Thank you. <laughs> running scared movie fans. Hey, let's get to the your NCAA tournament. You're going to new Haven. Tell us how the field shapes up for you guys.
5: Well, when you get to the NCAA in post all the fields are strong. You got 14 teams trying to qualify for five spots that go out to Scottsdale for the national finals. Uh, we're playing Yale, which is a historic um, old uh, golf course that's, kind of got old 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 school flavor to it and it's something that we're going to have to uh, deal with but we played there before we played well there before I think the course sets up well for us I think the field is obviously like I said uh, deep and top heavy with three ACC teams and it's got three strong mid-major southeastern um, part of the country teams that are really good and so like any other year we're gonna have to show up and play hard and stay in the moment and compete and try to win the dang thing and not just try to qualify and then we'll be okay hopefully.
1: Well, Coach Mike Small, uh, best of luck here in the coming weeks. Uh, thanks as always for spending time with us, and uh, we've already got it on our calendars. It's it's New Haven first, and then Scottsdale for the NCAA championship. So we're just we're just going to speak it into truth right there. Look forward to talking to you again soon. I
2: already penciled it in. I already got it penciled <laughs> in. So.
5: Okay. I like the confidence, guys. Thanks. I appreciate it. <laughs> All
1: right. Coach Mike Small, he is, as Mike mentioned, the 2022 Big Ten Coach of the Year yet again in the Illini heading on to the NCAA, championship, uh, NCAA Tournament and uh, look to qualify for the championship uh, out at Greyhawk. By the way, we're going to talk with Renee Sloan, the women's uh, golf coach, coming up a bit later here in the Sports Spectacular. Good to have uh, Coach Small here with us here on the Newsmaker Line presented by UC Bank. Quick timeout, much more to come here on the Illini Guys Radio Network. We talk NIL with Cam Cox of the University of Illinois. That's next.
0: Since Busey Bank first opened our doors in 1868, we have built upon a tradition of close relationships and broad financial capabilities. Our experienced team provides the highest level of personalized service to ensure we accomplish your goals, simplifying your wealth management and business lending needs and ensuring a legacy for generations. Building business, growing wealth since 1868. Proud to be the official bank of the Fighting Illini fdic
1: hi this is larry smith proud native of central illinois it's been an honor to have reported on the world's biggest sporting events for the past three decades and as a lifelong illini fan it's a privilege to now be with IlliniGuys.com. my friends and i put this together with one goal in mind to have the best illini centric website around great features podcasts insider stuff i know a little something about telling athlete stories and these guys know a lot about the illini it's a perfect match come over and check it out
6: Promises. call today for a free consultation 303-957-3092 that's neon rain at 303-957-3092 or visit them at neonrain.com
0: you're listening to the sports spectacular powered by com on the Illini Guys radio network now let's get back to the studio
1: the Illini Guys sports spectacular continues here on the Illini Guys radio network Larry Smith Mike Kegley Brad Sturdy and our Game Changers segment presented by OSF Healthcare. Name, image, and likeness has without question changed the game of college athletics. We want to get a better understanding of NIL and how things have evolved since it began last July. We welcome back to the Sports Spectacular Cam Cox. He's the director of the NIL program with the Division of Intercollegiate Athletics at the U of I. Cam, welcome back to the show.
7: Thanks Larry. I'm I'm glad to be back and uh NIL is doing a whole bunch of stuff so I'll have some good updates for folks.
1: Good, good. That's yes, what we wanted. Yeah, last time we talked it was still really new and and even as you and I've had conversations on air and off air, I mean, you know, it's one of those where it's been constantly evolving because this is a brand new uh you know, brand new frontier. Um tell us right now kind of let's start with um what's one or two things that what are one or two things maybe that we we didn't know last September, October that, that, you know, now as we approach in spring and approaching summer.
7: Oh my goodness. So that, that's a great question. I think probably the, the biggest thing, and, and I had a suspicion of this, but I didn't really understand how it's going to manifest itself. The biggest thing is that the foundation of NIL is really fan and, and booster and donor support. Um, What we saw back in September, that was kind of like what I consider like the early days of NIL. It was kind of the early days of NIL where everything was about traditional marketing opportunities. And what I mean by that was, hey, company says, you know what? I think I could really improve my promotional efforts by working with this group of student-athletes or this student-athlete. And what we saw was that in general – The networks that those companies were trying to tap into were uniquely tied to kind of where the schools were and kind of the school fan base. And so you saw a lot of overlap between maybe businesses that were owned by uh, supporters of the university. And, you know, I'll say here at the U of I that we had a great deal with TCCI Manufacturing, where they partnered between one of our student athletes. And you kind of see that same thing as Central Illinois, a company that is national and international in scope, but based here. So it kind of makes sense. What we've seen now has been a real transition into what has become bucket number two of NIL, which is collective fan engagement. The world where instead of someone saying, well, I own a company, how do I work with a student athlete? There are essentially a bunch of companies that have been formed solely for the purpose of NIL. And what they do is they take in money from a bunch of folks around the fan base. um, And then that money is redistributed through NIL opportunities. And that happens in a bunch of different ways. But what we're really seeing is that even though our concept of NIL and its intent was more in bucket one in the first iteration we saw back in the fall, the bucket number two is really taking over the game. And so a lot of the headlines you're seeing about, well, somebody made $8 million here or somebody's making $2 million there or somebody's making $800,000 a year here. What that's coming from is bucket number two and the ability to kind of crowdfund, create great resources and really make a splash in the space.
2: Yeah, Kim, there's been some interesting talk about the possibility of like uh, boosters, you know, going outside and doing things like uh, there was a a wide receiver from Pittsburgh who possibly was going to USC. And and, and they're talking about boosters setting up NIL before the school even has the opportunity. How how are you going to police that down the road? What's the what's the plan for kind of figuring that aspect out?
7: Brad, if you find out, tell me, okay? Because I think the hard question that everybody's dealing with is, what the NCAA has, it still has two rules on NIL. The first is, hey, no pay for play. means everything's got to have an exchange. also means that the pay can't be uh, just for kind of performance or just for being on the team. And the second is no recruiting inducements. But what everybody figured out very quickly was, it's, it's really hard to distinguish an aggressive, kind of supportive NIL deal from either a recruiting inducement or pay for play because it's it's so easy to kind of get around that. So what happens is in in some sense, if I'm, if I announce publicly, I'm going to pay every guy on my football team, $50,000, then it's not really a recruiting inducement. But what happens is the guy, on my rival team looks across the way and says, well, I can get $50,000 over there. And so in that sense, it is kind of like an inducement. And so that's what they mean by it's, it's really getting ahead of, the, the athletic department or really the compliance apparatus because the, the system is set up before it's actually taken advantage of. And more importantly, the, the benefits of the system are announced before they're actually operationalized. And because of that, it's really, really hard to kind of say, oh, well, you can't do this because you say, well, I'm not doing anything until you actually are. And then it's almost too late. Um, and so that's that's exactly what we saw, out you know, uh, allegedly saw at ASC and some other places. And it's it has really created an environment that I think a lot of folks are finding untenable. I think even those who are taking advantage of it and are able to kind of be the ones making these headlines and really leading the charge. I think there's a question of sustainability, right? I mean, it's, it's wonderful to say, you know, you come here, you're going to be able to make a million dollars as a wide receiver, but if you drop a couple of passes, and you don't, well, then you may end up back in the transfer portal again next year because you're just frustrated about what, what you kind of felt you were promised. Um, and that's kind of the world that we're, we're living in.
3: There certainly seems to be um, a lot of folks who are extremely creative in finding ways to support the NIL efforts of a certain school. And it seems like the coupled with maybe the NCAA's hesitation to get involved does create a gap for those schools that may not have uh, strong leadership.
7: I think that's true. I think that's definitely true. And I think it's for that reason, it's really going to be up to the schools to figure out, okay, what is my institutional philosophy? So there are some schools where they're saying, I'm going to put all of the resources of our institution, our athletic department behind this, because I think this is how we really make a difference. There are other schools who are saying, look, It feels old. It seems like I've known you guys now for years, but it's actually very new, right? NIL is not even a whole year old. Um, And so maybe we should tread a little bit lightly. And this is the approach we're going to take. Maybe a lot of times you see folks who used to work in the athletic department are running these third party organizations and stuff like that. Um, Either approach I've seen be really effective, but it's important that strong leadership creates a strong approach. And you say, this is the plan. This is what we're going to do, because depending on whether you want to take one approach or another approach that'll really dictate what your strategy is right because then you start thinking okay well do we need to hire more people like my role or not or do we need to be advising people or not or do we need to be helping people set up entities or not and all of that has to do with kind of that institutional philosophy but i'm glad you brought it up mike because it really does take strong leadership and excellent foresight and really good kind of connections across the landscape to really see okay Every, every school is dealing with this in, in a very competitive way. But if you just look at your own situation, it kind of creates a level of myopia, which is not really helpful. Uh, understand that it's all you know competitive. These are the other schools. Um, so you really kind of need the right leader in place to do that stuff. I'll say, you know, fortunately, I was I was emailing with a, a former AD yesterday about something. And he told me I, ha- I have a great boss. And I said, I absolutely do. Um, since we have that here, at buy and, and we also have great coaches who have
1: good leadership talking with cam cox he is the director of the nil program at the university of illinois quick time out here on the game changer segment presented by osf healthcare we'll talk more with cam and dig more into nil explaining a little bit more what that is and uh before we're done how you can get involved we're back after this on the sports spectacular
4: slow down they say you're getting older relax seriously you're on a mission you've got places to go grandkids to see At OSF Healthcare, we want you to be the best you possible. Whoever you are, wherever you're going, whatever your mission is, we're here to support it. Because that's our mission. Your life, our mission. Learn more at osfhealthcare.org.
6: Call today for a free consultation, 303-957-3092. That's Neon Rain at 303-957-3092. Or visit them at neonrain.com.
1: Sports Spectacular continues here, uh, talking with Cam Cox. He's the director of the NIL program. Uh, at Illinois. And uh, Cam, boy, again, there's so much to, to to get into. There was a report earlier uh, this week that there is about to be uh, kind of the hammer thrown at, at some programs that, that have not handled this the right way. Um, I know where we sit watching you operate here for almost the past year. Um, how confident are you that you have followed all the rules um, of NIL and uh, that you, that won't be a problem for you? Well, Larry, I mean, I think for
7: us, you know, one, there, there aren't that many rules, but two, we've always had had a really keen eye on them. Because I'm here and I'm here internally, it's easy to say, OK, look, I know that everyone just wants to get as much money as possible for the revenue sports. But I my job is to actually look at like the real rules, Larry, right, and figure out this is what we have to do and this is how we have to do. it. And I've, I've told folks from day one, there's very little that can't be done in the nil space but there's very little that you can just do however you want to um and i think that a lot of schools if, if there is a hammer and i'm not that confident that there, there will be one but if there's a hammer or a slap on the wrist or whatever um there are a lot of schools that will find themselves subject to that because i think they didn't really have an apparatus in place so one good thing about us and again this is credit to my department and leadership of it is we have a state law so we did kind of have some like formal rules in place. I think a lot of schools where you just have an institutional policy, you don't even have those guardrails. You don't even have those things to say, okay, we're not going to do this. We're not going to do this. We're not going to do that. And even as people may say, well, we want to relax that, or we want to amend this, or we want to maybe reinterpret this. It still gives you a baseline of compliance that I think in some States that, you know, border hours and and people we compete against, they don't have that. And and they may potentially find themselves in a very precarious situation here. soon.
2: I know this is, I'm going to put you on the spot here with a really tough question. Like, what do you see coming down the pike? I mean, uh, is this a, is the model currently sustainable long-term or are you going to see something where maybe players unionize or maybe players become employees? I mean, what, what do you see coming in the future with this NIL program?
7: Well, I'll say this. One thing i like to see in the future from you, Brad, is next question, make it easy. <laughs> that's too hard right now. <laughs> Sorry, but, I told you. I told that's you. I told that's hard be tough. So, <laughs> all right. I mean, I, I think I've said this from very, very early on. You know, people used to ask me, what does the Alston case have to do with NIL? And, I, and I've always said not nothing because all of it is a part of kind of a larger sea change um, towards student athlete empowerment and, and towards student athlete compensation where that ends is not clear um, for a lot of reasons, right? Because it's not clear whether that ends in something that's a collective bargaining unit. It's not clear if that ends in something that is the employee-employer relationship. It's not clear if that ends in something that is one of those two things, but only for certain sports. It's not clear if that thing exists on a conference level. It's not clear if that thing exists on a divisional level. It really just isn't clear. But I don't think the current model is sustainable. I think that one thing this is doing, and particularly in this moment of kind of NIL hysteria, is it's showing how kind of shaky ground that we really were on with this whole thing, right? I mean, it took one big issue for everyone to focus on, and it was the right issue, but it's almost as if people have a concern that it's unraveled college sports, and it hasn't unraveled college sports, right? that's That's overblown, but, I say that to say this is one issue in a landscape of, of evolving issues and big disruptions in college athletics right now. Um, this is really just the first one, and I think it was Commissioner Jimmy Phillips who said the other day. I thought it was great. Is you know a lot of leaders in college athletics got really good at solving problems that weren't that hard, and in many ways we're pushing down the road the problems that were really hard, and those are the things that you're kind of talking about, Brad. Um, I'll say I don't know where it will land. I don't know that anybody knows. I think that. You know, Mark Emmert really um, had an opportunity to kind of get ahead of that. I think wasn't able to do that because it is hard. Um, and for that reason, we're kind of looking, looking for leadership elsewhere. But one day, I think we will we will have a better sense. And then when we we've got a better sense and we can take decisive action. But right now, I think it's all about kind of getting through this moment, um, making sure that all your, your kids stay eligible, all your banners stay hanging, and then we'll figure it out later.
3: Yeah, but it's a it's a time of great change, especially when you throw the transfer portal into that. You also look at the television contracts mm-hmm. with the entrance of streaming indiv- you know, companies that are that are making dollars look almost, you know, like I said, the Big Ten could end up signing a contract that that doubles the SECs. How do you incorporate all these, you know, like it's ingredients and like baking a cake. But how do you incorporate all these different factors? Because really, it's bigger than just NIL. Do you look at the, big, the global picture like that? Or how, how do you do deal with it?
7: Well, I, I think that as a strong leader, you have to really. And I mean, we, we like to identify about seven different disruption spaces in college athletics. And I, and I love to say that even as the NIL guy. NIL is a really big issue. It is not the only big issue. I may even say against my job security, it's not the biggest issue. Um, there are other things. They're just not so imminent, right? And so the, they aren't the things that you, you say, today we have to solve this. The headline of this week was on that. This month, they're talking about that, right? It's, it's other stuff that is looming. Um, and we try to think about all of it at the same time because I think in many ways, the survival of athletic departments is at stake. I mean, as the U of I, when we think about the haves and the have-nots, there's no question we are a have. We are. I mean, we are a reflexive institution. We have you know, hundreds of student athletes, lots of sports, very, very strong coaches. Um, granted, we're not all the way where we want to be yet as an athletic department, but there are over a thousand institutions in the NCAA that, that play college sports. And when I think about us as a have, I'm saying there are a whole lot of folks who are have-nots and really, figuring out those questions is is going to be integral to the survival of a lot of those institutions' athletic programs, and in many ways, probably the survival and the popularity of college sports in this country. Right? I mean, if you if you have a world where, say, hypothetically, there was only the top hundred programs are, are participating, what happens to a lot of other schools in our state? Right? And what happens to the popularity of sports like you know tennis and golf if they can't be played on those platforms? Um, there, there's some real real big kind of societal impact kind of stuff here um and it does have to do with like you're saying the tv contracts and realignment and you know potential student-athlete compensation and nil and um you know court involvement and all this just different stuff and i think what makes it really hard is every time you think you have one of them solved you push up against another one right until you say well if we had to come up with i don't know you know, say hypothetically, okay, we got to provide compensation. You can say, well, if you have to provide compensation, that's going to be really expensive, but maybe we'll just do that with money that potentially comes from the TV contract you were talking about, Mike. But then you say, well, but I don't know if if that's really the right way to do it because the TV contract issue might run into other issues with realignment and what teams that people should be on, right? I mean, kind of what's already happened. Um, and so then that creates that issue. And then you say, well, I mean, let, let's stay in this conference but then it's like well maybe you decide that this conference wants to support some sports more than other sports you know like, well maybe i should jump to the other kind right so i i use that as kind of a quick and pithy example of how these issues start to run up against each other and we're in this moment of real upheaval but we are not discouraged i want to make that clear to people too i don't want people to hear this and think oh my gosh there's no plan there is a plan we are very optimistic about it we have strong leadership and it's our opportunity to really emerge as not just, you know, kind of a have when I kind of make you think in the broader sense, but a have in the really immediate sense where you say, wow, there was this period of disruption. The U of I came out of that 10 times stronger.
1: Talking with Cam Cox, he's the director of the NIL program at Illinois. And, um, you know, again, we wanted to get into this with Cam. We've had him on the show before, obviously, Cam, but we we're privileged that we all talk all the time anyway. And so um, it's great to, to kind of get this message out. Um, how do people get involved? You mentioned the very beginning of our conversation here that, that that's kind of the model that's, that's taken over. You've got groups like Alani Guardians doing a lot of uh, amazing things. Um, what's the next step in terms of getting that fan who wants to become involved and, all, and, and wants to find a way to take part? Um, how do people go about that and, and, and how does it benefit? What does that look like?
7: There are kind of two ways. I think that there's one way to do it, um, particularly if you own a business. I think going through Open Doors makes a lot of sense. A lot of our student athletes have um, essentially NIL profiles on a platform called Open Doors, um, and you can go there and connect with our student athletes. Or I think that the best thing for a lot of people to do is, is contribute to Illini Guardians. I mean, I've said it on, on several platforms. The, the biggest thing that you can do to help Illinois athletics right now is contribute to Illini Guardians full stop, Um, and and anybody that you ask will pretty much tell you that because if you look at the landscape, this is the biggest issue, and that's kind of our vehicle for doing that. I think you go to lineaguardians.com and there's a button that just says contribute, um, and and you just say, hey, I'd prefer that it goes to the sport, and you go from there. I think that's probably the best way of doing it, but I know people have questions, and I know people have apprehensions, and I know most importantly, people have ideas. So please do not hesitate to reach out to me or other members of the athletic department because we are, are taking any good idea that we can find to try to get a competitive advantage.
3: Now that, now that I like to hear, um, you know, the other thing is, is what kind of, is there even going to be, you know, are you seeing like an evolution where, where maybe there will be a, a super 80, you know, kind of like Jim Delaney kind of postulated back in, you know, 2010 ish, um, you know, or even a relegation system. Or you've got maybe people who want to bump up and come into that. And pe- and then maybe colleges that, that don't want to compete at that level going down. I, I, I'm just kind of curious because I've heard that that talked around by different people. People,
7: people throw that around. And, and I don't want to say it won't happen because I don't know if it will happen. Um, I mean, if, I think the best example we can think of relegation is, is what we think of in the Premier League. And the best yes. example we can think of, of of a really exclusive group is, is the potential Super League. Um, but I like, what people don't talk about the Super League is why the Super League didn't happen. And, and for those who aren't familiar, the Super League refers to um, the, the kind of European soccer proposed group of the tip-top clubs in the world that were going to basically leave their own leagues and inform another just super elite group and, and essentially it would be a hyper version of what we think of as the Champions League. Every game would be the Champions League. Yep. The engagement is lower. I mean, that's the problem. Like, on one hand, oh my gosh, these are the best clubs in the world. Or these are the best schools in the country, whatever. But on the other hand, you know, it's important that, I don't know, you know, to say, say it's important that there are major sports played in the state of Indiana. Like, we need that. Like, like, like college sports needs, I don't know, the state of Kentucky to, to have a team that people cheer for there. You can't just say, okay, it's only going to be these 20. Um, the other thing is college coaches, I don't know if you've met them, they're very competitive, and they don't like to lose. If you play a lot of good games, if if every game is a premier matchup, you know, that doesn't work out so well. I mean, I'll say, like, thinking back, even when I was a little kid, I would play the NCAA football game, which is, you know, funny, because, right, that was the precursor of the whole NIL (laughs) thing.
4: And I I changed the conferences up, and
7: you see, you play a bunch of years into the future, because you're a kid, you don't have a job, and you'd see, there would be teams that were, like, decent programs, and they they totally tanked because every game you were playing, you know, LSU, you're playing Alabama, you're playing Ohio State, you're playing Notre Dame. And it's like, it it would be very hard, no disrespect, but for a program like a South Carolina to keep up with that pace, but South Carolina is very strong program and there needs to be college athletics there. So I think the, the appeal of a super league isn't as great when we think about what we're really doing here in college athletics, when we think about how many people are engaged. I mean, even think about, March Madness. I mean, people people talk about March Madness, and what they really mean is the first weekend of the tournament. And the reason why is because there are so many different communities that are engaged with that. If you contracted that down to just, okay, there's these 16 teams, theoretically, maybe you'd have the best 16 teams, but you really don't have tournament, right? And so I think that that's really something we would have to think very hard about, Um, and I'm I'm really glad that that question is far, far above my pay grade.
2: (laughs) Cam, I do have to say I have to disagree with you on one thing. We definitely don't need to have like good sports in Iowa. That's not necessary. So, um, you know, that, that's not something we need. Um, you know, it's just it's overkill. But I, I now, but I do have to ask. You mentioned being competitive and trying to be most competitive. What does that entail? Like, how does And I guess how 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 do you get there? I mean, how do you get to be the as competitive as can be? Because I know I know Brad Underwood pretty well. He's pretty competitive guy. So how do you how do you uh, fill that fill that role?
7: Man, you gotta have all the stuff. So first off, you need people like Coach Underwood who are excellent coaches who know the game and know the folks around the game. That's really really important. Second off, you need really attractive facilities, not just to to be attractive in the sense of attracting talent but attractive in the sense of actually being able to develop that talent, right? I mean, it's one thing to say, Hey, we got a whole bunch of strong guys. Another thing to say, we got some pretty strong guys in a really good weight room. I'll take option B every day. Um, I think another thing that you need is really a good system. I think people discount that a lot. Like players like to play in any sport in different types of systems. And so maybe you're, I don't know, the best pitcher in the world, but you know that this is a team that really doesn't care as much about kind of, defense and pitching as they do offense and the bats right and so you're like oh, I'd, I'd rather showcase my skills over there so you kind of need all that stuff but nowadays it it all seems to be coming down to nil and and that's become another really really big frontier um and and i like to say you know i think it feels weird to a lot of people like well there's collective support or there's all this fan support or all, this, all these people get involved that involvement is what has always driven success in college athletics i mean the Smith Center, beautiful football facility that we have on campus, like, that got built because people gave money, right? Our iFund, we, we were able to fund a certain number of scholarships in wrestling and in swimming and in gymnastics because people give money. Like, that's, that's where that comes from. And in schools where that doesn't happen, they can't do that. And so this isn't really a different thing so much as it's a very intense and a different articulation of the same trend that we've seen. But the truth is, Brad, you, you need all of it. You really need all of it from the top down because the margin for error is is that slim. I mean, you think about how many games even in like the NCAA tournament just to go to overtime just to, to show you really how close it is. And so you can't miss on one scholarship. You can't miss on one weight room. You can't miss on one assistant coach. All that stuff. Really, what I see in our games now is, is a manifestation of the effort and the work that our folks put in every single day.
1: Ken, we have kept you uh, way over time uh, because uh, this is such a great topic. Um, There is so much to learn about it. And um, we've got the summertime. We don't have any games coming up anytime soon uh, once we get through the spring season. So let's come back again in a few weeks and pick up uh, from here so we can kind of, um, again, continue to get the word out. But we appreciate your time uh, here. Have an awesome weekend. Um, Enjoy the, the rest of the spring season and look forward to talking to you soon.
7: Thanks. Thanks, Larry. Thanks to the whole team for having me on. I appreciate it. would be glad to come back. And truly, I, I want to encourage people, get involved with NIL, go to Open Doors, check out the Illini Guardians, give me a call. It couldn't be more important.
1: Yeah, we we appreciate that. And we will continue to also uh, to get that message out. Cam Cox, he's the director of the uh, NIL program at the University of Illinois. As he's mentioned uh, one of the you know our friends that we've talked to here on the show, and And we'll have Adam and and Craig on again here in the next couple of weeks as well to continue this conversation. And again, um, reemphasize just how important this is for everyone to get involved. Stay with us here. Hour number two is just ahead. This is the sports spectacular on the Alani guys radio network.
4: Slow down. They say you're getting older, relax. Seriously. You're on a mission. You've got places to go. Grandkids to see. At OSF Healthcare, we want you to be the best you possible. Whoever you are, wherever you're going, whatever your mission is, we're here to support it. Because that's our mission. Your life, our mission. Learn more at osfhealthcare.org slash your way. At Busey Bank, we
0: understand you have a vision for your future, and we're committed to helping you achieve your dreams. Since 1868, we've invested in recruiting and retaining the best and brightest associates. Busey's unique culture is one that values and supports you, provides opportunities for growth, and is much more than a job. It's a career. Build relationships, build community, and build your career at Busey Bank. Proud to be the official bank of the Fighting Illini.